2: Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast.
0: It's the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. My name's Sammy James. This show is brought to you by The Athletic UK. And remarkably, for the third time in six years of starting Fulhamish... I can say the words again. We are a Premier League podcast. It's great. A one. wonderful evening. Later A wonderful evening at Craven Cottage as Fulham got a 3-0 win against Preston North End. They got the job done early to set any nerves. Why was I worried? Of course, the lads were going to turn up and make sure that they did it in front of a raucous crowd at Craven Cottage. And I'm joined today to discuss all the fallout from last night's celebrations by the Athletic UK's Peter Rutzler.
2: Hello, Sammy. Play the horn. (laughs) Gimme two and Jack Collins. Hello. Hello,
1: listeners. Hello, Sammy. Play the horn. Right, hang on. Hold on your hats, because
0: I need to get right today. We have a real horn. Stay there.
1: This isn't gonna sound that well.
0: Three, two, one.
1: (laughs) Bloody hell, that was. Oh my god. Yes, that was so loud.
0: (laughs) My neighbours are like, "What the fuck is going on?"
1: Wow! Well start the episode. I, I can play the classic as well. All the horns. What a day. We are going up. Jack, three word reviews. Let's go. Um, There's loads of them. So I'm going to just read loads of them out because, uh, you know, this is it. I liked my favorite maybe of the lot actually was from Matt Pollard. He said, now, not when, um, which was very good. good. Some great tricks with prolific, profligate, promoted. Enjoyed that one a lot. We saw uh, Michael B uh, with first tier pod. Uh, Richard Bamba, our man's soul. Of course, he was getting in here back for good. Matt Wall, Premier League podcast. Dave Kettlehake, third time lucky. And the silver service resumed. Rick Cardis with automatic, systematic, high dramatic, uh, Londonian wow. calling with late Easter resurrection. Ollie with promotion pressed on. Chris Lewis, Peter the promoter. Yes, uh, have and, it. And maybe, maybe the funniest of the lot from Conor Hugh Rodak should have shot.
0: Oh, <laughs> I forgot about the whole shoot thing in the second half. How could I forget? Yes, Peter, two seasons. Of becoming Rutzler the relegator, coined by your colleagues, a, a nasty nickname that went round the office. And now you can put on your desk one of those signs that now says Peter the promoter. How do you feel?
2: Oh, very, very good, Sammy. <laughs> very, very pleased. Uh, even more so because, because of missing Derby and the fact that it didn't happen. So while everyone obviously was bitterly disappointed that it didn't happen at, at Pride Park, I was quietly quite... Oh, quite pleased because I don't think it would have counted so well if it happened while I wasn't there. So, uh, yeah, awesome to be there last night. Fabulous atmosphere, really good performance. And, yes, Peter, the promoter, rises. Let's have it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love
0: how happy you are.
1: Um, Jack, uh, have you had any sleep? Very little, very little. Um, it was a late one. There were uh, many baby Guinnesses consumed. Uh, everyone Another was baby Guinness. Duke of Cornwall, Belushi's Hammersmith. Collins residence. It was everywhere. The party went on long into the evening. So uh, yeah, very, very happy days. Oh, what a night at Craven Cottage. And thank God the lads
0: um, got it done early. I mean, Peter, there did feel like something last night. My head and my heart, I thought Fulham were going to win, but there was always that creeping doubt that Preston could come and spoil the party. Apart from that very early chance that Preston had where it was a bit of a ping-pong in our box, it just felt like Fulham weren't messing around last night. They they were determined to get the job done.
2: Yeah, they'd had enough faffing around. This was uh this was business resume. This was um need to get it done, need to get the job done with, with those bigger games coming up. And and as you say, I think it was comfortable from from the start. I think Marion Rodak made a couple of really important saves at the beginning of the game um, both off deflections I think one, one from close range the other one was a dipping volley which is hard they're hard to read so those, those were key moments because Fulham started pretty composed on the ball it felt pretty good and then there was that Preston spell and you just felt the edginess that sort of edginess that clearly been creeping around the fan base I've seen it on social media from people I speak to it's you know, unnecessary because it's going to happen Fulham are going to go up but it's it was just there, and and those saves were really important. And to get an early goal, great play from Joe Bryan on the left, and then the man himself, Alexander Mitrovic, to to score. Just basically got the party started. You know, Fulham were on it. Tempo was good. The way they played the ball was good. There was intent. You know, that this was it. No more messing around. Time to get it done.
0: I mean, Jack, there was just a little bit of a reminder that Fulham actually are good. I feel like in the last few weeks, everyone's been saying, oh, we haven't been that good in recent weeks. We've been, we've been off it. And a lot of that criticism is true. I'm not here saying mm. that it isn't. But I think last night was just that reminder that actually when Fulham want to turn up, when we turn it on, when we do get early goals, we can blow teams away. We'll face tougher sides than Preston next year. But it was just one of those evenings which... We've seen so many times this season where Fulham control it pretty much from the first goal to the 90th minute.
1: Yeah, I think that. I mean, look, we're going to face better sides than Preston for the rest of this campaign, never mind next year. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's one thing to go and do that. It's another thing now to kick on and try and win this title that I think, you know, and most people will agree that Fulham firmly deserved this season after the performances we've seen. So, yeah, in, in so many ways, yesterday was a nice thing in that, you know, Peter's right. And if we didn't win yesterday, it it probably wouldn't have stopped Fulham going up. To be perfectly honest with you, I think there was probably like quite a high possibility that Fulham could have lost every game for the rest of the season and we would have been promoted. But we definitely wouldn't have won the league if that was the case. It would have been, you know, a slide to second. And it would have been nervy and touchy and no one would have enjoyed it. So to go and win in such convincing fashion, to be 3-0 up at half time, to settle the nerves, yes, we were a little bit wasteful in the second half. Um, but ultimately, it didn't hugely matter. I think Preston had mostly given up by that point as well there wasn't many fans to roar them on and again there's no no disparagement it's it's a long way from Preston on a tuesday night with nothing to play for especially when the mo- game gets moved a relatively late notice so you know lots going on there and it did feel like the second half was a bit of a procession um now i wonder if if that is the kind of thing that kicks Fulham on to go and finish the season strongly to make a point to win these remaining games and go up in style and and make sure that that's you know top spot is absolutely secure look winning the league and not winning the league makes no difference really in terms of actually getting there right coming second and first there's not a huge difference. But I think for mentality, for the ability to, to go and be like, we won the league, for the fact that there'll be silverware. you know, Obviously, Fulham haven't lifted a trophy since the Intertoto Cup uh, all the way back in in 2003, 2004. So we obviously haven't seen that that done for a little while. And I think it's important now to go and, you know, kick on after what has been such a brilliant season and make sure that that's secure. And, I, you know, we've seen Marco Silva saying something similar to the players. He said, like, you've already earned this. Now go and take it. You know, it's, it's, it's there in front of you. Go and take what you've already earned. Um, Yeah, that clip
0: going round on socials, I think Fulhamish posted on Twitter. It was originally posted by the Skybet Championships um, Twitter account of Marco Silva's dressing room talk after the match. Um, It's just brilliant to watch. uh, And I think you just see the togetherness um, in the side and how, you know, the squad really hanging on Marco Silva's every word. It is fantastic. And yeah, as Jack said, he he told them that they deserve to win the title and they need to go and win it. Um, Peter, the second goal... If Mitrovic's goal had already settled the nerves, Fabio's pretty much set the cottage um into party time. Brilliant anticipation from Fabio. That's the, the unknown quality I think of his game. I think that's what maybe some Premier League fans and Liverpool fans maybe just don't realise that Fabio has. Is he, incredible intelligence. That deflection from Cabano's cross, he's the first to react. And it, it that's I think what we've seen all season. He's just so quick and he just anticipates
2: brilliantly. Yeah, that's 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 why you know when you watch him you you think you can see that he's a top level talent he's a a really um naturally gifted player um and that's because he's quicker not just physically as we saw for that goal running in and 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 nipping the ball with ahead of the defender and into the net uh, but also um mentally he reads the game extremely well his in game intelligence is very good he finds pockets of space he reads where the ball's going um, and I I thought he was absolutely outstanding last night. Um, ran the show, really. Um, Preston could not handle him. He got kicked so many times. Uh, and most of the time, most of the time wasn't uh, malicious. It's just because he was quicker than his counterparts. Um, and yeah, it, it was deserving that he got a goal. Um sort of reflects just how important he's been to Fulham this season. Um, why, you know, he has been... Consistently selected by Marco Silva, um, always pretty much first name on the team sheet um, after Alexander Mitrovic now, um, and uh, yeah, a, a fitting performance. And as you say, he's just quicker, he's he's, he's more intelligent, and that's that's why he's going to Liverpool. Uh,
0: and and Jack, the third goal, I felt like personally, it's quite poor goalkeeping from Daniel Everson in the, in the Preston net, but it, it's low, it struck hard, it struck quickly. He doesn't have a lot of time to set himself and. To be honest, I felt like Fulham's performance deserved a little bit of of luck or uh, poor goalkeeping. And 3-0 was not an undeserved scoreline. And it wasn't a
1: clanger either. No, I, I don't think so and and look, he's been excellent this season everson um, it's worth pointing that out and I know a lot of Preston fans have been really, really impressed you know with him as a kind of you know as a point of interest so yeah it's it's he's he's hit early, isn't it and and the way that it sort of flashes past him low, you see keepers struggle with those kind of strikes quite a lot, yes, maybe he can do a little bit better if he sees it better, but you know, I, I think what we're looking at here is, is is a really good early strike that's caught him kind of unawares, and 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 ultimately, I don't think he can have too many qualms about the way that it, it goes past him. He, I thought he had quite a good game, Everson, to be perfectly honest with you. The save from Mitrovic in the second half, um, it, it was just absolutely outrageous. Yes, you should score, but it's an absolutely ridiculous save at the, at the same time. And, you know, we're talking of saves. I know you mentioned it earlier, but Marek Rodak, I thought, was absolutely sensational last night. Um, yeah. And after two performances where people have questioned him, and, you know, and, and rightly so as well, um, because there were two performances with real issues, Um he made a save in the first half, as you say, from that deflection. We spoke about this after the Coventry game, where I was like, "I don't know how Mitrovic's bounced-up shot didn't go in." The fact that the keeper's weight was to one side, and he managed to sort of claw it out. Rodak did something very similar for that first save last night, and I was really impressed with him with his kind of um, with his claiming ability, with, with his kind of vociferousness in the box. It all felt like he just finally got his head back where he needed it to be, and be like, "Right, this is you know, this is my jump. This is still my jersey to lose." You know, yes, there might be other people linked and yes, that might be tricky for me to say. It's still my jersey and it's still my jersey to lose. And, and I thought that was nice to see last night, you know, him really coming back to the fore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Peter,
0: just one player that I wanted to single out for praise. And look, everyone had, had put an eight in, at, put an eight or more out of ten in last night. But I just thought that Joe Bryan was electric um, down the left. It's a wonderful assist for the first. The kind of no look pass. He kind of, I think the Preston defence thinks think he's going to cross it into the middle, and then he just dinks it to his left perfect weight on the pass for Mitro just to, to slot it in, a striker's dream. And interesting how he's come into the side just towards the end of the season and kind of staked his claim in the side. Reminds me a little bit of when Niskin's Cabano came into the team at the very end of the Scott Parker promotion season and made uh, an instant impact. Long term, that didn't work out brilliantly for Cabano. He didn't play many minutes when we actually went up to the Premier League, despite having such a big impact. But Joe's having a little bit of a similar renaissance.
2: Yeah, he's having a really good run, isn't he? And, and yeah, last night was definitely the, the standout performance, obviously with promotion on the line. Step forward, Joe Bryan, that's just hey. how it works. Um, but you're right, I think the assist was, was very clever. I mean, obviously he, he keeps possession. It's Cabane plays on the ball and he, he manages to tackle two defenders, both of them to the deck, which which always looks good. Um, and then, as you said, a weighted pass. I think it was his weaker foot, wasn't it? His right foot. Um, so, um, a, a clever assist. And, and yeah, he, he has just kept his place. He didn't play against Coventry, having played against QPR, Middlesbrough. And I think, with the way that game unfolded, and, and maybe maybe it was a defensive thing because you know Fulham kept, kept two difficult, important clean sheets against QPR and Middlesbrough. Um, came back in, had a really difficult night on Friday against the EBOA on, that, on the right-hand side, a really talented player. Um, I thought he did okay against him. I mean, it was quite clearly a tricky one-on-one, but he's, he's come into the team. Obviously, he's very experienced in these situations. And, and yeah, when, when, you, when you put in performances like he did last night, then you, know, then you keep in your jersey. And we've seen that. We've seen that with Dennis Adoy uh, before he moved in January. The fact that he was playing well meant that, you know, Kenny Teta wasn't going to come straight back into the team um he's clearly that's so clearly silver has, has, has favored robinson this year because he's had more minutes um and he and when asked about that he says it's, it's it's to do with his sort of profile and why he'd prefer him probably to do with the speed as well um but you know he's come in he's been technically sound he's been solid and for a game like that where there, where there is where you just want to get it done you want to be consistent and having someone with the experience of joe bryan has has made the difference and yeah a really good performance I think one of the things
1: about Joe's performance last night was that I didn't think he necessarily started very well. Um, I actually thought the game started to pass him by a little bit in the first kind of 10 minutes or so. And it was actually the bounce that gets that into his path to win the challenge. It bounces into his path nicely. He puts the ball in for Mitrovic, who scores. And suddenly it's like watching a different player. Like the confidence of that moment seemed to inspire in him produce one of the, you know, performances of the season in, in that position. And I was really, really impressed because the first part of the game, I was like, oh, Joe Bryan doesn't, you know, he passed a few out of play. It was a couple of wayward crosses. Um, and I was just like, oh, this just isn't really going anywhere. And then suddenly he has that moment and you're like, wow, that's amazing. That's completely changed the facade of what, what this looks like. And I thought that was kind of an, an interesting you know point in, on that, and that how much one moment of, First, you know, a, a bounce that goes his way and then a moment of sheer quality that's been finished can change a player's mindset. And it was almost that confidence that sort of flow back through everyone. And it was like, right, suddenly everyone looked happier, looked more, you know, more aware, more alert. And, and Fulham were then tearing through Preston at Will for a while.
0: Yeah. And then Jack, the second half was just a little bit of a procession. Uh, Mitro missed that chance to make it for Fulham had a couple of opportunities, but it was almost exhibition stuff, really. I think maybe the players were slightly saving themselves for Saturday, knowing that they had a day's less rest than Bournemouth will do um, for that big match on on Saturday. Uh, But it, it became kind of Harlem Globetrotters kind of performances just just knocking it about trying ridiculous long balls seri came on just to kind of rub salt in the wound with a few hollywood passes of his own (laughs) fulham were just there to entertain the crowd the crowd had long forgotten about the match and were singing much more about the fact that we were going on the pitch
1: yeah, well, it was a really strange one, and obviously, we're, I'm, I'm sure we'll get to it. But it did feel like it was kind of pockets singing about on the pitch, and then suddenly that line of stewards came out, and it was like, well, that's a challenge. Um, <laughs> and it, 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 then it went from being pockets of people going, "Oh, we're on the pitch," to the entire Hammersmith then singing it. So um, I, I do wonder if that was potentially, you know, a red rag to a bull in in, in many ways. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's a lot, you know, going on, and and, and that second half was. Yeah, like you say, it, it just felt like plain sailing. They just didn't feel like there was that much that could have gone wrong. You know, they, they there was that first Preston attack which goes across in the first minute, and you think, right, see out the first five, and this is going. Then Preston won't score more than one. Like, and obviously they didn't score at all. But if the first one goes in two minutes after half time, you're going, oh god! You know, there's a long way left, and a two-two goal leaders as I say, most dangerous lead in football. Um, I, I disagree with that. I feel like a one goal lead is more dangerous than a two goal lead, considering you can lose it in half the time. But, you know, where, where, the way that it looks and the way that the momentum can swing... I just felt that seeing off that first five was then, and, and look from there, Fulham should have, should have, and could have scored a couple more. We had the two of his Mitro chances. And I thought it was interesting that when he got subbed off, he wasn't angry. Normally, you sub him Alexander Mitrovic off on a on a hat trick, and he's going ballistic. You could go to him like Silver be like, "Look, mate, you're not going to get two better chances than ones you were just afforded. You're going to have a rest. <laughs> you're going to have a rest." And he's like, "Yeah, probably." To be fair, um, <laughs> he's like, "That's that's that." And um anyway. Okay. As you say, saving for the weekend and, and the chance to go and do it all again at Bournemouth. So, yeah, it felt like a procession in so many ways. We were a little bit maybe unfortunate not to get another goal, but it didn't huge amount. It would have been nice for TC to get one. That would have been that would have been the crowning on the cake for me if TC had managed to whip one in as the ball was pinballing around the box in the 89th minute. But, you know, I'm not going to make any complaints about a convincing 3-0 win at home that seals promotion.
0: I uh, see the ones that I, I think Harrison Reed had a couple of chances last night. And then the one that really made me a little bit sad was Cabano free in the box. And he tried the cut back to Seri which was on, it was on. He just got it slightly wrong. And the Preston player made the interception because we haven't had either a Seri or a Reed goal. And if we can get both of them to score, then every outfield player pretty much this season will have got a goal for Fulham. I think time is running a little bit out now, um, but I thought that that was maybe the moment where they could have gone and done that. Um, Peter, what were the uh, post-match celebrations like from, from your vantage point in
2: the uh, in the Johnny Haynes? Oh, they look fun. It did look a lot of fun. I think uh, it's a strange one in, in, a, in a press position because obviously everyone's on the pitch and, you know, celebrating and you're just sort of, typing up your, your loose air, loose bits of your very long read. Um, and then uh, you're not sure where to go. And I, I we went down into the press room and then I was sitting there in the press room and then I was just like, I, I don't need to hear from the Preston guys. They're coming back out, aren't they? So I went straight back. And obviously I, I came back out and but a lot of people had obviously been on the pitch and then then left the pitch and then, then gone and then realised that the players are then going to come back out, which is a little bit sad, but hope, hopefully there'll be another chance to do it once. if. If Fulham can uh, secure the title, um, but yeah, no, it looks so much fun. It did look a lot of fun. I could, I could see Moon is absolutely lapping it up. Um, he <laughs> really threw himself into it, didn't he? Uh, Marco Silva getting hoisted up at one point. Um, the Mitrovic thing when the players came back out and they were lifting him up when uh, when Gala came on. Um, no, it was it was it was really good, really good fun. I think Callum Chambers just popped up next to me. Uh, oh really? Prep, yeah. I think it was kind of Dennis Odoi Dennis was apparently there as well. Uh, I didn't, I didn't see, I didn't see Dennis, but yeah, Callum Chambers just appeared. So um, yeah, all the vibes, everyone was there. So uh, yeah, it's good fun.
0: Yeah. I also didn't go on the pitch for this one. I went on the pitch for Derby and I was with my dad and I, I couldn't see my dad climbing over uh, two advertising boardings and having a wrestle with a steward because they were trying to stop people. I think you had to have a, you had to have a yard of pace
1: about you. There was, there were only a few stewards trying to stop. It was really weird. Like there was a couple of stewards at the bottom of the hammers then helping people get over. And then there was like three in a row who were like, nope. And I remember my brother said to me at the time, he was like, I heard someone say to the steward, what are you doing? Just let them do what they want. Like there's thousands of them. And the brother was like, nope, they're not coming through me. And I was like, <laughs> why? <laughs> like, like you have to be there to show face. The cub have to be like, oh, well, we tried. Um, But ultimately, like, (laughs) I said to Stuart afterwards, I was like, fair play. And he went, what do you mean fair play? Like it was thousands of people. What could I have done? <laughs> like, well, fair enough. Um, it was a couple of them funny. just woke up in the morning
0: and fancied a bit of a, fancied a couple of rugby tackles. But oh, yeah, mate. I think my, I think my dad's um, six months after a Neop, I don't think would have taken one of those uh, challenges too well. So um, we stayed in the stand. It was thoroughly enjoyable from there, but I had no idea the players were going to come back on either. So i I kind of had gone by the time the presentation um, happened, which was a little bit of a shame because I just assumed that the players wouldn't come back out, but they did. Um, Peter, I mean, it was the classic stuff um, champagne was out celebrations on the pitch um, but hopefully you'd like to think that yeah as you say if we can win the title by Luton surely there will be a proper trophy parade then when when the fans can celebrate properly it'll be a bit more of an event you just thought
2: well, well, the big question would be about an open top bus wouldn't it so you know does it because... happen
0: on the same day
2: I don't know no no no, no, no the same day but I'm just just putting it out there I looked up the route for the last
1: time Fulham had an open top bus period, oh, yeah. by the way. Um, and This is the research we want. It started at the cottage and then I was on this, but obviously I didn't remember the route because I was like full. Um, but like it went up from the cottage, went up to the Fulham Palace Road, turned right where the Fulham Club shop used to be, went past the oh, yeah. shop, turned left there and swung all the way up to uh, to Fulham Town Hall, which is obviously at Fulham Broadway in Full sight of Stamford Bridge, oh. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Um which I suppose is the natural place to have a you know a, a celebration, but equally still a bit weird.
0: Yeah, that doesn't feel like. I assumed it would just be kind of like a lap of like the the roads around
1: the Stevenage Road and Finley Road and Fulham Palace
0: Road. Do you think but, people yeah. would go?
1: I'm always a yeah. bit confused with this. Uh, like, I'd like to go and I'd like it to happen, but do you reckon lots of people would go? Like, it's just a bit like. I don't
0: know. I think, I mean, look, I do think that the circumstances are slightly different from 2001, but I still think, yeah, people would definitely go to that 100%. Like it would be a chance just to have a bit of a day out and a few um, beers and stuff like that. And, and see an open top bus doesn't happen very often, does it? As Peter says, you can't win the league and not have an open top bus. And Peter but I'm writes with the you, but,
1: um I'm with you, but I just wonder <laughs> if they would be a bit concerned about turnout. That's, that's all I'd be worried about. But alas, yeah. it's probably fine. Nah.
0: Just win a big win on Saturday, then everyone would definitely be up for it. Um, Peter, we haven't mentioned it yet. Um, your big long read uh came out straight after the match. How Silver powered Fulham to promotion, igniting Mitrovic, reshaping rooms, and introducing birthday cakes. Uh the exact headline um we wanted. Um And we're expecting, for- I think. <laughs> yeah. Very um up, half Half a dissertation's worth of words in there. I read the whole thing this morning. It was brilliant, and and just for me, got into the kind of minutiae of what Silver and his backroom team, who don't get the credit that Silver does, um, did last summer. And you forget all about the kind of delay of Silver coming in, and he had a lot to do. You know, one of the there's so many lazy takes today. There's so many lazy takes on all of the channels. Oh, relentless. Yeah. Oh God! If I see another joke saying about how Fulham and Norwich don't play each other every season, I honestly might just throw my phone out the window. Yeah, they
1: weren't there at Carrow Road when Steph Joe made the silence at uh, James Madison, or they wouldn't, uh, or they wouldn't be making this kind of you know, baseless, baseless accusation.
0: Um. Oh, can't wait for Fulham to be back in the Championship 23-24. So anyway, it just shows that. And and one of them obviously was the, oh, well, Fulham's parachute payments. Of course you were expected to go up, but it was a lot more difficult
1: than that. There was a lot more to it. Fulham was a
0: a bit of a mess in the summer. Also like
1: as if the other two clubs didn't get parachute payments, (laughs) as if West Brom didn't get them and (laughs) Sheffield United and like, oh, okay, cool.
2: They've, they've stormed the league, haven't they? They've done well.
1: well, What what weird thing to suggest.
2: Yeah, Yeah. I I think that's, I mean, money, money doesn't. Win you things? I mean, yeah, yeah, of course it does. Of course, it's a massive advantage, and Fulham's squad that they've built over five years—that's that's that is the key factor. It's the players that they have, but that doesn't that doesn't automatically entitle you to success. I mean, look at Man United. Um, and as Jack says, the other clubs with with parachute payments. Um, but you're right. Sammy I think I think that was important to get across from the piece that it has that context of last summer because. Last summer was not great, really, in terms of a preparatory perspective. The delay with Scott Parker's exit, you know, the fact he had Stuart Gray as an almost interim coach for pre-season at the start, you know, they had it was Colin and was helping him, Jack Grinstead, who's a physical performance coach as well, just helping the players, getting them ready before Silva came in. Obviously, Silva was in quarantine. Um, and then to have that impact in that short amount of time. And I think we saw it very quickly. How uh, the sort of impact that he was having, both in terms of style of play and how the players were putting together, recruitment um, went well. They kept their key players. There wasn't that. There was a lot of worry about players that Fulham would lose as well, especially the younger ones. Um, and all all of that sort of were the were the building blocks to it. And 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 within the within the piece, you sort of explore the different elements of of what Silver sort of implemented. A lot of it was was interesting. I mean, from a training sort of perspective it was it's not it may seem like it's tactically complex but it actually has been quite straightforward quite simple um we talked about set plays and things like that which they they dedicate a lot of time to um and they do work on these patterns but they're not it's not complicated it's it's had the buy-in of of the players um and it, and going back to the squad you know the squad a lot of them know each other for a long time now it's quite a close group there's no cliques in the group and that that helps, and the, the things that got pulled out for the headline. But those are the little details that just just bring that group together. Just make just push them closer together again. Um, and and yeah, and, and and the outcome has been so impressive. You know, we're talking about a team that's two goals off a hundred goals this season. Um, that's the first team since the nineteenth century to win seven nil twice away from home in this division. You know, they, they, this is these are big numbers. Um, and it is a very, very special achievement, um, the way they've done it. Um, players that have been brought back in, you know, and this is the other thing too, just going back to the summer, you know, we're thinking of the likes of Tim Ream, who's been immense. Dennis Adoy was so important until, until he left in January. Alexander Mitrovic, obviously. Um, you know, there are a lot of players there that weren't necessarily in, a, <laughs> in, the, most, in the best frame of mind after another difficult Premier League season. So, um to bring everyone together get them all on side on the same page implement a new philosophy absolutely rip up the league sure, sure yeah the, the money's absolutely massively important but there was a lot more to it and it's um hopefully hopefully you get a get a sense of that from my uh my half dissertation as you put it so
0: it is really 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 worth your time reading this it was uh, excellent you can get the, you can get The Athletic right now for £1 a month for the first six months by going to theathletic.com forward slash Fulham pod. Even if you just subscribe to read that one piece, um, you know, you could probably stretch that out over a few days of holiday um, if you want. Um, it's it's a real epic, but it's really worth it. So go to theathletic.com forward slash Fulham pod if you don't subscribe to The Athletic already. I
1: got quite emotional reading this morning. Now, part of that was probably the inevitable <laughs> hangover yeah, um, Guinnesses. but I, I did it did make me quite emotional so i, um, I, I could only add my voice of consent to uh, to how good it was as a read
0: yeah and you just realize that so much has happened this season and and it's, it is all of the small things and look it's easy for a team to have togetherness and, and high morale after a, a brilliant season like this, but it does feel like a particularly together group. And Jack, obviously, all the players uh, went out last night um, celebrating. Uh, most of it we were able to decode from Tom Kearney's Instagram story. Um, <laughs> there was one moment which, as I said before, looked like some kind of weird dream where a load of dancers came into a very tight nightclub. I thought it was a coach at first. I'd imagine it's, it's probably, so, imagine it's a, probably a
1: private room. Yeah.
0: But it was so narrow. I thought I generally was like, are they on a coach or like some sort of fun disco bus or something like that? Um, yeah, a load of dancers wearing American football helmets with sparkling bottles of, of champagne. Um, all the players just filming it on their phones, um, singing along to "Baby" by Justin Bieber and then "Angels" by Robbie Williams. Uh, I'm not sure who the DJ was, but maybe um, uh, maybe need an upgrade for the, for the title party, Jack.
1: Yeah, it, it was, there, was, there was a lot going on. It was, it, was a bit, it was a bit of a mad thing, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, but, but ultimately, they looked like they were having fun. And you know what, who can deny them that after the season we've had? So uh, I was glad that they got to let their hair down a little bit. I imagine there's probably been a day off today, has there, Peter? There has been a day off today. Yeah, and they get back on it and, <laughs> and go and win the league at Bournemouth on Saturday. That would be good.
0: And one thing I wanted to just touch on, Jack, you know, we were talking a little while ago about how, um, you know, this Fulham team could be the greatest championship team of all time. We now know that reaching 100 points um, isn't possible. And I guess that was one thing from the Coventry and Derby defeats. that I felt like I was like, any more of this and you're going to take the shine off promotion. It's going to be very difficult for Fulham to get four wins out of four, given the fact that we're playing teams all in the top six. All of them have loads to play for. I actually think if Fulham could get over 90 now, I think it wouldn't be a bad achievement from here. You'd like to think we'll get over the 100 goals. I think but so. looking back over the season as a whole, this is still a special season, right? Like it's, uh, Yes, maybe it's not going to go down in championship or second tier folklore, maybe as a team perspective, but there's still plenty of things that we've achieved this year that are remarkable, notwithstanding just Mitrovic's individual um, season.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's probably fair enough. It, it just is one of those, isn't it, where you are like, like obviously you don't want to to drop points at this at this point because there's an element of it that you're looking at and thinking, ugh, you know, you don't you don't want this to slide away after such a great year. And it was going back to what we said at the start, right, um, about the fact that you know we're looking at we're looking at this season and thinking if you come second in this people are going to be mad people are going to be angry um and that shouldn't you know the kind of the main reason to not come second in some ways is is that you want it to be remembered as the season that it was not the season that it could have been um or the season that was let slide right at the death even though promotion was still ultimately secured um and i don't think we've ever really had a story like that in In in, in the division, to be honest, not of late at the very least, Um, where the team who were out comfortably in front got promoted and then let the actual championship slide. Um, So it's going to be very interesting to watch how these last four games play out. you know, obviously Bournemouth have that game in hand, but if we were to beat them at the weekend, it would take us 12 points clear with us having three games left and them having four. With our goal difference, that makes us champions um, is ultimately where it is. So so there's that to consider as well, right? In that there would be almost a, yes, I think with the non-100 points thing now, if Fulham were to win at the weekend then I think it almost doesn't matter quite as much what happens in the final three games. Obviously it would be good to go out with a bang, but if you secure that champion spot, and I think, you know, you'd want to win the game at the last home game against Luton, you know, for the crowd and for the the whole atmosphere of of what it is. But I think if you win at the weekend, it's kind of done. You're like, it doesn't it doesn't hugely matter what happens in the last three games because it would basically secure Fulham as champions. And I think with 100 points gone, you want to see the 100 goals. Yes, we'd love to see Mitrovic smash smash the 42 and the 43 records. If he gets a hat-trick at the weekend at Fulham with 3-0, I think everyone just be like, that'll do. Thanks very much. (laughs) Sign uh, off. You can can literally play the kids for the rest of the season. I don't think anyone would be that fussed. Um, So, yeah, it's one of those, isn't it? There's lots of ways to look at it, but finish the season, secure the championship, break the records that are left to break, and then after that, Enjoy yourselves, and, and and look. Maybe I think I think with it secure now, Fulham might. Re- it, it looked like you know once we scored yesterday, Fulham relaxed, right? It was like, wow, we're good at this. Like we should do this more. Um, and over the last couple of games, it's been a bit nervy. It's been a bit like, Ugh, get over the line. Um, and I wonder if now just Fulham relax a little bit more because the actual work
2: of getting to the top flight is done. No, you, I think you're right, Jack. So I, I spoke to Tim Ream afterwards, and it was interesting just what the players sort of felt but these last couple of games you know obviously former they wobble but it was by Fulham standards it had it had back to back defeats, isn't it first time all, all season and, and he mentioned that he thought like it, maybe the pressure had got to him a little bit like just a little bit of extra pressure not a lot of pressure but they wanted to get it done and it becomes a bit more of a, a stress doesn't it um Especially but, if you go uh, behind, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And you know, there's everyone's anticipating the result, and everyone wants it to happen. And when it doesn't, it's it's difficult. But but the the, the fact now that you know, once those goals went in, the pressure did sort of go. And and now for them, it's like ah, we 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 can play now with a little bit more freedom than we were already. And and uh, I think I think he said uh, that's that's a scary thing, um, probably for everyone else, I suppose. But um, I think you're right. I think it, it will open things up for them, and, and just now that it's done.
0: Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. All right, we're going to take a break there, and then we're going to have a quick preview of Saturday's trip to the South Coast against Bournemouth.
2: Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewellery from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com.
0: With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
1: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals.
0: Part two of the Fulhamish podcast. Sammy James here, and I'm joined by Jack Collins. Hello, listeners, and Peter the Promoter.
2: <laughs> hello, hello.
0: Bournemouth on Saturday, at remarkably a three o'clock kickoff down at the South Coast at the Vitality Stadium. Um, I'm not going. I'd like to be going. Mm. I'm annoyed that I can't go. Loyalty points, rubbish. Um, if anyone has a late pull out on the day. Let me know. I'd love to go, but um, I've kind of accepted that I'm probably not. I'm going to have to find a dodgy stream uh, to watch it. Uh, Peter, you will be there though. So you can be uh, eyes and ears down on the South Coast, the Rutzler Derby. And I mean, it's going to be a strange one, isn't it? Because obviously the players will have been out on Tuesday night. They've got a day off on the Wednesday. Bournemouth played on Monday. So they already had an extra day's rest. Um, So it's going to be a tricky one to go there. And Bournemouth have picked up a bit of form lately a brilliant three nil win over coventry which has probably put any of the doubts over automatic promotion mostly to bed i think there was a chance that forest might catch them that's pretty unlikely now it's gonna be a difficult game like we i'd love to get, think that fulham really will get one over scott parker but it's just not gonna be that simple and and Yes, I don't think Bournemouth have been very impressive this season. I know there's discontent amongst the fan base about how they've gone about things this year. They've had some shocking results, including that defeat in the FA Cup to, to Boreham Wood. But they have got 77 points this year. They are probably going up in second and we can't just go there expecting Fulham to, to walk all over
2: them. No, I think, I think with, with Bournemouth, when they, when they are good, they, they can be very, very good. Um, they've got a really good squad they've got um in Dom Anki they've got a very good center forward as well um and I think the, the interesting thing with them is I think and we saw that when 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 they came to to Craven Cottage um when they adapt things when they really properly sort of alter the way they approach for specific games they they can be very very effective um but you're right there have been some very frustrating um poor performances some of which will be reminiscent for, for Fulham fans during the, the Scott Parker promotion season. Um, and the points on the board really have put them in a, in a good position where the, those stumbles that they've had in recent weeks haven't really cost them too much. Now, I think the pressure is more on them this weekend, for oh, certain, yeah. obviously, <laughs> yeah. um, because as much as you know, for, things went their way over Easter in terms of, one, the, the win over Coventry, um, but also Forrest's defeat at Luton. Um, if Fulham win, Forest win, it's Bournemouth Forest is coming up very soon, isn't it? I actually think it's. Uh, it's the second off, last game of the season. Second last game of the season. Okay, so it's, it's not too far off. So it's not inconceivable that Forrest can catch them, um, but it would need a, a, a massive stumble. And I think the, the quality that they have, and, and we did see that uh, in their performance against Coventry, they won 3 0. Um, they tweet things. I think Solanke went back to playing as almost a second striker for that, for that performance. Um, that they they have enough, they have enough to get over the line. And I think even some of the recent results have suggested that's what they've been looking to do, you know, the nil nils against Middlesbrough and Sheffield United, which, which are tricky games, admittedly, they're tricky games, but, um, and, and I imagine we'll get a, I can't, I can't see it being as intense as it was at Craven Cottage. Um, that had a, a really unique feel. That that game, there was a lot of different emotions, sort of flowing into it from from different angles within that within that game. Lots of different uh, narratives, shall we say,
0: uh-huh. um,
2: of which I don't think are as potent this time. Um, but but it matters. It, matters. it certainly matters. It matters to Fulham. It will matter to Scott Parker. It will matter to Bournemouth. This is for them. If they have any hope of winning the league, they have to win. Um, it is a title decider, pretty much. Um, I say decider. It is a title influencer to a great degree <laughs> um, because it can, it can decide the title. No, can, because I mean, if but-
0: Fulham win, the title's decided, sure. and yeah, okay, maybe if Bournemouth win, the title's not decided. It almost then the title's in the
1: air. Like it's
2: in it's- play. It, it's more in play because of Fulham's fixtures. Forest next is you know that's a hard game, uh, and then Luton and Sheffield United to finish again, both tough games. I mean it's yeah I think Fulham had the have the hardest or, i think the hardest running i think i saw saw a couple of stats doing the rounds on we must we
0: must we must do even if you even have, i I've also seen the same tables but we must have the hardest running yeah, it's impossible for us not to we literally play um second fourth fifth and sixth
2: yeah so it, it's it's rather difficult um but yeah, either way, it be it's, it is a good contest. The last game was re- was really enjoyable from a neutral perspective because of how the two teams tested each other, and and in all likelihood, this is the sort of a sort of Premier League game because the two squads are going to be different next season, and there's no doubt about that. But in terms of the basic remedies of both and how they set up, this is a precursor to that. So um, hopefully, it serves up a a worthy contest.
0: Yeah, Jack, it probably doesn't have that same meaning as the game back in December because that was Scott Parker's first visit to Craven Cottage and Fulham at that time had just overtaken Bournemouth. We were much more neck and neck. I can just about see why Sky didn't go for this as a match. I'm still surprised, but I can see that there's less riding on this from a neutral point of view. I think it matters a lot to Fulham and Bournemouth fans. It possibly doesn't mean much to to anyone else. Um, But yeah, Scott Parker's team came with a game plan um back in december and we weren't lucky to get out of it we absolutely battered them into submission in the second half but it was still a late equalizer that fulham needed to to rescue us um and and parker will be determined once again to kind of almost prove that his philosophy is the superior one even if probably the evidence over the whole season suggests that's not the case
1: yeah, absolutely. And also, I mean, it would put them within three points of us if they were to win their other game in hand as well, right? so it it does reliven that title race as uh, if if they were to go to beat us at the weekend. So there's all these things to consider. Um I don't know if if Bournemouth will be that fast, I think they might take a point here um i i don't know if
2: trying to win yeah promotion yeah i think they will i think i think
1: promotion is more important to bournemouth than winning the title is and i think that would be the you know the key element here in that the the job is get them up and actually there was a moment obviously we spoke about a couple of weeks back sammy in terms of where they were in the table and how it looked where i was like i think forest are going to catch them and you know fair play to to parker in, in some ways because what he's done here is just steadied things and has he got a bit lucky? Maybe. I mean, obviously, you you look at the game against Coventry and Bournemouth score with all three of their shots, um, whereas Coventry batter them down the other end and, and and don't get anything away. I mean, that's good shot selection. It's good execution, and those things can be admired. Um, it's still not particularly sustainable as a, a as a kind of philosophy. So, you know, there's there's elements of all of these things going on, um, but I think that they would be concerned that a Fulham win here. Combined with a forest win would put Forrest four points behind them with each other still to play, yes Bournemouth still in the in the driving seat in in many ways because it would be they'd need to Forrest would need to beat them and still hope that someone else could do them a favor, but it would put the pressure right back on them in terms of who the teams chasing them were um, and I, I think that might be interesting just as the season progresses to see that bottle i mean one thing we did talk about with Parker is that at the end of that season where Fulham got into the playoffs, obviously we came back from the COVID pandemic and it was all a bit all over the place and we lost to Leeds and then we lost to Brentford and it was like, oh, are Fulham even going to be in the top six? And then we rode it out. It wasn't always pretty, but we rode out the end of that season and got where we needed to be and then went and won the playoff final. So credit needs to be given there as well, that that's what Parker did at the end of that season. Um, Was it the most entertaining football I've ever watched? Absolutely not. Um, did it work and get Fulham to the place they needed to be? Absolutely. Um, and it looks quite similarly like he's doing what he needs to do here to steer Bournemouth over the line. I think if you offer them a nil-nil right now, they'd take it. Classic.
0: Um, Peter, <laughs> from a Fulham lineup perspective, obviously we're not going to put on the kids for this one. I think if you heard That's Marcos, for Tuesday against Forest. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I mean, a lot of people probably wouldn't mind. Um Marco's obviously going to put his strongest 11 out here. I'd be mostly expecting what we saw last night against Preston, maybe a, a change in midfield. He might go for Serio over Kearney. He might bring in Anthony Robinson, but it's not going to be wholesale changes. As you say, that, that speech that he did in the dressing room last night um, clearly showed that they, they haven't really been talking about it much this season, but they will now, that all eyes are on the title and they know that they can secure it on, on, on Saturday. It's one win and it's done.
2: Yeah no the, the the title is is absolutely a target silver said that to press afterwards as well not just a target 100 goals they want to do they want to reflect the season that they have had you know they don't want it to peter out uh, with a, with a whimper so um yes in terms of lineup i think we'll see a strong team to the end of the season i think in one sense it's a shame that this wasn't wrapped up sooner because of what that uh would potentially mean for younger players getting opportunities I uh, don't get the impression that that's going to happen, really. Um, but we, we'll see. We'll have to see. There are a lot of obviously there are a lot of players who are desperate for minutes, or players who don't make senior players who don't make the matchday squad. So um, even then, it's it's a, it's a tough one. But in terms of what they want to do, in terms of the motivation, it's absolutely to to win the title. I think I think that's been talked about. I think the fact that I think Silver Outline the fact that the team have been at the top of the table for so long. To not be to even consider not being champions is just not it's just not palatable, really. So, um, they they will want to get the job done. They will want to do it against the next best team. They will want to prove a point. I'm sure they will. Um, as you said, you can see that from what you told the players afterwards. And um, yeah, and and in terms of lineup, I think we saw the fact they didn't make big changes. Something I mentioned in the in the long read about how. Silver sort of approaches things. And it's interesting in terms of the setbacks they've had, they, they tend not to make knee jerk decisions or, or make big uh, alterations off the back of individual errors or individual performances they, they, they take their time. They'll consider things, Marco and, and, his, and his staff um, before making changes. And that's why there's been that consistency as well. And I think that applies, especially when the, when players are doing well. And after a performance like Tuesday night. Providing there aren't too many uh, sore heads from the overnight celebrations from the disco bus, yes. I found out oh. where it was, by the way. Oh,
1: where they was were, it? They were in Tape, London, which is a club uh. just off Oxford Circus. Um, uh. There you have it. I believe, I believe anyway. That's what I've been, that's what I've been led to believe. Um, it's quite exclusive, Sammy. It's one of those, um, it's one of those fancy Mayfairy clubs. Um, they don't let the likes of you in there
0: no i can't imagine they would and probably for 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 good reason when you said exclusive i thought you meant like the news that you'd just broken
1: exclusive world
0: exclusive here on the
1: full to be fair it might it might well be it might well be that might be an exclusive so i I, I have it on good authority that that's where they were anyway
0: at sky news break
1: (laughs) yeah exactly
0: we were in tape nightclub. Well, yeah, a few sore heads, as you say, Peter. It will be a bit of a challenge to to get themselves going for this one. I feel like they might be just running on... um the the reserve tank uh, for this game and 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 prob- but possibly you might see the after effects uh, come out in the forest game on on the Tuesday which I'm fully adamant is going to be three 0 to Forest um, with not many Fulham fans caring um, given that it could potentially uh, lead to Bournemouth uh, particularly if we beat Bournemouth um, as well. Uh, I imagine that it could be a a bit of an ugly one, but we'll see what happens. If you're going and you've got a ticket on Saturday, enjoy um, what uh, an occasion it will be down on the South Coast. Fingers crossed the weather's nice. And um, if you're not going, good luck trying to get a stream. That's all I'll say uh, for trying to watch it on Saturday. going to be a little bit tricky for us in the UK to try and watch it. But where there's a will, there's a way. Right, we'll leave it there in part three. We've got a few questions and then one. Brilliant, this will catch on. Part three of the Fulhamish podcast. Sammy James here with Jack Collins and Peter Rutzer. Right, a few questions before this will catch on. Uh, and this first one uh, is a voice question from Lucy Shomey, who is in our Telegram group. Well worth joining. Uh, the scenes in the Telegram were fun last night. Lots of people putting up photos of the pitch invasions and uh, having a jolly old time uh, celebrating Fulham's promotion. So definitely pop over there if you can. If you want to support the pods, you can get a two-week free trial uh and it's always uh, a lot of fun over in the telegram that's the bonus as well by the way it's a way of supporting the pod but you also get access to this telegram chat where we chat all things fulham and uh should be particularly good in the summer as well when there's lots of transfer rumors to uh debunk uh whether there's any uh truth or merits to them but anyway lucy left us a question uh, in our podcast group and i was interested to get both your thoughts on this jack and peter
1: hi well it's the morning after the night before what a result thank god we did that because my nerves couldn't take any more anyway quick question for the pod Mitro and cav and others always deservedly grab the headlines but i would like to know who is your unsung hero of the season mine is definitely harrison reed i think he just puts in a shift all the time gets on with it's always beavering away busily so let me know who is your unsung hero of the season
0: Enjoyed beavering away busily. Uh, Chris Kamara kind of um yeah. vibes to to that nice one. Nice
1: alliteration. <laughs>
0: yes, very good. Um Jack, what do you think?
1: Um I think probably Niskins Cabano. Um for me. He's the one of the front three that gets the least airtime. Obviously, you you know Mitrovic's goals. I kept a lot of headlines, Fabio Carvalho's transfer news, as, as Lucy says. Um, and Harry Wilson has has been a revelation. He's up, obviously, for, you know, player of the season in the in the PFA Awards. And, and what we're seeing is those players get it. But I actually think that, you know, Niskan's Cabano's run in the team is, I wouldn't want to say renaissance, because I think that's probably a little bit unfair. He's had these runs before. When he's ever been given a run of games, he's always performed. But the consistency and the belief in himself to, you know, have a go at players, I think. You know, the, the fact that what we've seen is he's taking risks, he's doing things. OK, he loses the ball sometimes, but we're seeing kind of that magic in his feet as well for, for so much of this. And I think he's been phenomenal across the course of this season, just over there providing, even if it's not, you know, actual assists and goals the thing he has provided is those moments of magic that unlock a defense the the moments that actually give fulham the numbers to make an overload to find someone else free in space here in open space perhaps um, but you you're, you're mm. looking at this and thinking how are you know these are the ones that, that don't always get the numbers it's not the assists and it's not the goals necessarily it's the the fact that he can break a line and 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 basically mean that to defense have to shift over to try and deal with him and some of, the, some of the, the moments he's had across the course of the season, the one against West Brom springs out to mind straight away where he just sent a couple of defenders packing in one sort of swift move when he basically made Millwall's left back get subbed for, um, for being just too, too dizzy at one point. He <laughs> had some amazing, amazing Niskin's moments. Um, and I just think that maybe with the form and the actual numbers of the other two in the front line, he sometimes goes under the radar. So, Cabana for me.
2: Peter? Yeah no I was going to say Nasek Cabana as well because I feel like the unsung hero award is can be renamed the Harrison Reed award and I think he gets he he for sure has been He's a Michael Carrick underrated player who's actually yes. not underrated because everyone calls him underrated. Yes I think I think we're at that stage with Harrison Reed who's been consistent throughout his time at Fulham and and the work he does is is widely admired and well rightly so. Um I agree with Jack entirely about Cabana I think he's been fantastic this season. Just the fact that, you know, he's been at Fulham for like half a decade. And to have a season like this, it almost to show what he is capable of. He's the type of player that you, when you watch him and you see those moments and you, you guys will know better than me. But when you watch him and you see him play and you think, oh, I wish you could do that every week. And this season, he's had a season pretty close to that. And, and that, that's, that's, that's pretty special. Um, but if I'm going to pull another name out uh, in the unsung, I would, I'll probably go with Tosin because I don't think he gets mu- as much praise as he probably should do. Um we we Tim Ream has been outstanding this year. Uh I deserves all the praise he's had this season. Um but both he and, to- uh, and Tosin have played a, a massive role. And I think it with Tosin we just sort of expect it. We just we know how good he is. We know how good he could be as well. And I think his standards therefore uh or, or the bar he has to reach to 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 get to get a claim is that little bit higher. Um so for me, Tosin, I think that we saw that again last night. Um, it was very, very clear what Fulham were trying to do in terms of their game plan. They were trying to isolate Cabano one-on-one, as Jack was saying, because Cabano one-on-one with a championship defender is a nightmare for the championship defender and they don't normally last 90 minutes, at least, or mentally if they don't check out. Um, but Tosin, Tosin's passing, his distribution is, is massively important. Um, I think he's stepped on more this year now that Joachim Anderson sort of has gone on because he, he took a lot of the limelight Um, last season uh, in central defence. But in terms of where Tosin can go, in terms of what he offers as a central defender, there's a lot of potential there for a a really top talented player. Um, And he's been excellent this season.
0: Yeah, there's been so many times this year where we've gone in and just gone, oh, yeah, Tosin was brilliant. And then we kind of move on because there's not a lot more sometimes to say. I remember one of his best performances was at was St. Andrews and we even named the podcast uh, Tosin's Trillion Tackles. And it, it, rightly so, because he was just so dominant and we've yeah seen that. So often, but as you say, weirdly it's expected. I don't know why. We just kind of think that Tosin will just drop these eight out of ten performances, and we kind of gloss over them, and move on. Maybe it's the life of being a centre back, and actually sometimes the best centre backs are not the ones that you notice. Um, too often. They're just the ones that mostly get the job done. But of course, occasionally he, he drops a clanger because he gets caught high or whatever. And then we will notice it. It's like, oh, Tosin, uh, but I think it's because he's so good and consistent that the the, the mistakes that I only occasionally drop in um, are so noticed. My only one I wanted to throw in um, for unsung hero here, Bobby Decadova-Reed. And I really think that, His value to this team is massively underrated. He gets called on to play in every single position, particularly when Fabio Carvalho went through that period um, where he was um, injured with the never-ending toe injury. Uh, He did a fantastic job kind of deputising in that number 10. He scored some great goals this season. Uh, And I did a little bit of um, maths. He has had since... The middle of January, so since the Fulham-Birmingham game, he has had one goal involvement every 123 minutes, either an assist or a goal. So he's nearly at a goal involvement once every one and a half games. And that is off, off the bench mostly, occasional starts, um, he struggled, obviously, on the left wing, deputizing for Cabano recently, but he's still chipping in with assists and goals. And some of those goals haven't been massively important ones. Often they're the second or third and a big win. He scored a couple of times when they've been like consolation goals, like particularly against Huddersfield. He did that against Coventry where they haven't actually meant something, but they could have massively meant something. They could have been they, they felt at those times like game changing goals. Sadly, Fulham didn't kick on and get, go and get those points, but he always digs deeper. I think for us, Bobby and, and rarely um, gives up um, despite, you know, he'd been a bit inconsistent this year. I imagine it's been a bit disappointing after impressing in the premier league that he hasn't got as many championship minutes as he wants, but he's always dependable. I imagine he'll be there next season. So uh, yeah, uh, he's my shouts for unsung hero of the season.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean that, that role and the kind of utility man role, basically lends itself to this as a point right because if you can be used in so many different positions and you can be used in so many different ways and you're still finding ways to come up with with, with that many goal contributions and, and important contributions it's always going to be one of those especially if you're part of the bench. and I was saying this last night that I think Bobby Reed is one of those players you just want to have around the squad you know next season you want to have him in and around this team is he going to start every week in the Premier League probably not um But ultimately, he's one of those players that I think can make the jump and especially with his versatility um, can be a a big player for Fulham and and can influence games next year. So, um, yeah, I hope that we see more of Bobby next year.
0: Okay, a couple more questions. This one's from Richard Smith, who has had a a surprising amount of pod contributions uh, in the last few weeks. He gave Charlie Cooper the T-shirt. He named the pod um, on Monday uh, and now has uh, chipped in with a question. He starts off with, if... To when to now with little arrows in between them. What a night at the cottage with three goals in the first half. It wasn't quite the drama of the playoff semi-final against Derby, but the back of the Hammersmith end was pretty loud for large parts of the game. Anyway, he's got two questions. First... What will you miss about the championship? Secondly, what are you most glad to be leaving behind in the
2: championship?
0: Best regards from Richard. Can I do
2: do left behind just so I could take it away so you guys can't use it? Referees. I thought you'd say that. (laughs) Cannot wait to see the back of them. The standard gap. I don't, I don't, I, I really don't like overly criticised, I sound like Marco Silva here a little bit. Um, I don't like to, I don't think, because it's such a difficult, it is a difficult job and it's, I know that from personal experience having done it and drifted away from it because you get so much crap because people see what they see on TV and reflect it on your Sunday, Sunday league official and there is a crisis in the number of referees that there are at grassroots levels and that affects everyone, especially the game as a whole. However, that said, the standards in the championship aren't, plainly just aren't good enough um i it's i I even going from most games it's 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 one of those things where i don't I, you don't want to just sort of pick out referee decisions but it's so consistent that the, the big calls get missed and even little ones in terms of game management how you manage a game how you're managing the players on the field um and it, there's always an easy stick to beat with, with referees but i think that it's it is such uh such an issue that in the second division, one of the best leagues in Europe has, this, has, has a below standard of officiating for the level of play that it, it needs to adjudicate. It's, it's a concern because then you look further down the leagues and it gets worse, it gets much worse. So um, more investment and more love for the referees overall, I think, is, is needed from, from authorities and I'm looking forward to VAR. And what will you miss? The trips, the travel, I actually really enjoyed it. Loads of new grounds for me, um, loads of new places, um, seeing parts of the country I wouldn't otherwise see. And, uh, yeah, I've really valued that, um, tasting the different pies. Um, yeah, that that's probably what I'll, I'll miss the most.
0: Yeah, I think I can uh, agree with those. Jack, any uh, left field suggestions? I feel like Peter's definitely uh, taken the... Uh
1: the best two out of, um, out of that, but any others that you want to throw in? Yeah. I'll miss taking six points off QPR. Um, yes. I'll miss like, I, I think we might need them next year as well. Just really hoping they'd come up because it's a guaranteed six. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's a big <laughs> thing, isn't it? Um, Oh, I will, I will miss that Derby. I like that Derby. There's something about Fulham and QPR and, and going to Loftus road. Obviously it's a hole, but like, Ultimately, I will miss it. I, I, I like, I really enjoy that day out. I enjoy that idea of crossing the Uxbridge Road, all of it. Like there's something about Fulham and QPR. I think, especially because the period of, of where I sort of really started going and you know to Fulham on my own and with my brother and my friends it coincided with that period where Fulham and QPR were relatively level, and therefore it felt like the you know derby in terms of that you could win, but was still really important. So I will actually miss Queens Park Rangers. Um, that's uh, something I didn't think you were going to see it for me today, but ultimately that's where we are, but mostly the six points, mostly the six points.
0: I think my two are, I will miss almost the lack of analysis in the championship. There is something quite annoying about the premier league where Fulham starts getting spoken a lot, but not in great detail and often as a footnote, which is actually more aggravating than just not being spoken about at all. I almost like sometimes the anonymity of just the random championship three o'clock game. There's too many games for people really to focus in on. You're often just a footnote at the bottom of articles, but I quite like that sometimes because you don't kind of get like half baked takes on various radio stations um, that are mostly just there to wind you up. So I will miss that. What What do you mean? That's just the
1: second tier podcast.
0: Not just them, not just them. Um, Between half baked takes, (laughs) they're not the only ones. Um, What I won't miss is all of the bloody. There's something about championship clubs and attendances and atmosphere and singing and all of that that just seems to be endless and infuriating and pointless debate over how many fans. Blackpool took to Birmingham on a Wednesday night and how Stoke took more, but how Coventry went to Norwich uh, and and took three more than, I don't know, <laughs> Luton did to Southampton on a Wednesday. I know I've mentioned two Premier League teams there, but there just seems to be a constant um, comparison of fans, which I don't think is quite there in the Premier League. I think generally Premier League fan bases, mostly because most of them sell out don't really care or seem to compare as uh, compare it as much. And maybe it was because Fulham is the big fish and the small ponds. And so we were always had high expectations and obviously because it's Fulham is not a massive club couldn't always deliver to it. So I'd be quite happy just to be out of the kind of the, uh, the slanging match that is constant on Twitter over that. So they're my two things. Right. Uh, this'll catch on uh for today. Just one for you. Uh this is the part of the show where people send in their chance and we rate them or slate them. Please send them to hello at uk. I see people kind of like tweet the podcast, tweet me. They get lost in the ether. I miss them. I can't find them again because they get lost to Twitter. If you email them, I'll play them. So please email it. Don't tweet it or whatever, because it just gets lost and missing and I never find it again. This one is from Matthew Morris. He says, Hi, Fulhamish. On a drive to my mother-in-law's for Easter yesterday, I plugged my iPhone into the car in the middle of a this will catch on segment with my wife in the car. I had previously thought best to leave the men singing about their favorite footballers part of my life unexposed, but she thought the segment was hilarious and encouraged me to submit one. After some workshopping, we settled on the following. Yes, it's obvious and extremely monotone. Please enjoy my Fulham tinged parody rendition of Simon and Garfunkel's classic Mrs. Robinson in honor of our favorite acrobat and would be Milana left back. Anthony Robinson I forgot about the Milan thing no one mentions that in the championship either that's one thing I won't miss about the championship that only seems to be in the premier league uh, that people mention this so Matthew thank you for sending this in and boys I will get your thoughts afterwards
2: and here's to
0: you Jedi Robinson Silva loves you more than you will know whoa 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 a backflip please, Mr. Robinson. <laughs> Hammersmith slams will go on for days. Hey, hey, hey.
1: Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> oh. Well, I enjoyed the a backflip, please, Mr. Robinson. <laughs> I can say that about it. Um I enjoyed that. Um Oh, I, I did karaoke with my friends on Monday, on Saturday night, and none of them could sing. And I sat there, like, basically with my head in my hands. And I feel like I'm just doing the same. <laughs> I'm really sorry. It's <laughs> not got a tune. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed, I enjoyed the backflip, please, Mr. Robinson. I will say
2: that. I think it's, it's overdue that we had an uh, Anthony Robinson song too, Mrs. Robinson. Someone yeah, no, to do. no, no. I think that, to uh, take one for the team. The
1: concept and the concept, are good. Some of the lyrics, pretty good. The execution, less good. that <laughs> it was a bit Derby away, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I I'm just, sorry, I think, Matthew. I'm 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 a snob. I'm a musical snob. I get it. I'm I'm not. I just you're getting worse, Jack. It's getting worse every week. Honestly, getting I'm worse. getting no. It's yeah. I mean, one the you know the obviously the syllable police, but also just uh, i yeah. I think maybe that would have been better without backing track. It would have.
0: I think it was fine. No. My only criticism is I didn't like jedi robinson like this is not a thing like i, know oh, I do that- I, I shout
2: jedi i genuinely this is i know this it's his thing.
0: nickname but no one's going to sing that in the stands i think
2: he said it i think he said it in a in a u.s uh press conference that he wants to be called jedi robinson or doesn't mind being called Jedi Robinson. yeah he likes it i think i'm not sure 100 sure but i'm i'm, sure. I'm, I'm okay, sure. okay with that
1: that bit's all right it's just yeah i yeah just a tuning for me oh okay get oh, it's, it's all about the execution yeah. basically
0: Matthew just needs to go get some singing
1: lessons and yeah. it might be okay give me a cover of like Anna Kendrick doing that in pitch perfect and I'll be happy as Larry
0: right okay well Matt and Mo uh, who I believe is your wife thank you for sending it in very, very funny indeed, and a nice way to round off today's promotion podcast. I can't believe we're doing it again. I pray that this is the last time for a while that we do a going up from the championship to the Premier League podcast. Jack, this must be your third time as well, being on this very pod after yep. after promotion confirmed.
1: Yeah, I mean, the first time... Obviously amazing because it was the the first time since 2001. And obviously we'd gone through a bit of a tough spell in the championship. Second time amazing because we beat Brentford. Third time amazing because it is an automatic place. And, and that's pretty special as well. Let's go on and be champions and, and everyone be very happy. I think that's three excellent, excellent seasons for very different reasons. Right. And I think that that's a, that's a cool thing to be a part of. It's not like Fulham have done it the same way three times and it's been plain sailing. These have been three very different campaigns. And, and so they were all enjoyable in their own right.
0: Yeah, 100% all unique in their own way. But this one for me, the most enjoyable of the lot just to do it at home. Um, you know, with such an emphatic win, with such a brilliant team, slightly different, as you say, maybe the exuberance of the Aston Villa win and the kind of shock of the Brentford one, uh, slightly different. But this one for me, uh, the definitely cherry on top in terms of the three promotions. Peter, your first promotion podcast um, and hopefully your last as well. But thank
2: you for being on. No, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. What a year it's been. I'm delighted to have my my, uh, reputation laundered and, uh, looking forward to, to, to next season. And, not and, the and... phrase I would have used, but yeah, fair enough. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Can we make anything out of Peter, the mid tabler? Is there, is there, is that possible?
1: What's your middle name? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is it
0: like,
1: is no, maybe, maybe, no, maybe is it
2: Maurice. Like... <laughs> no, no, my, my, my middle name is Kashmir. So, um, what? Yeah, wow. yeah, very unexpected. No, a little addition for the pod. Yeah, that is my. my and you haven't
1: submitted us a Led Zeppelin classic for this will catch on yet. <laughs> no, um, I haven't. <laughs> I wait I with bated <laughs> breath,
2: my friend.
0: <laughs> wow, I've never heard someone with a middle name Kashmir. That is um that's the best nugget at the end of the pod ever. All right, if anyone's got an, uh, a Survivor kind of piece of the Survivor, but that they can come up with, um, that would be much appreciated. Just before we finish, Jack, what
1: would you like to name the podcast? I think we're going to have to go with Matt Pollard and now not when. Yeah,
0: I think it is the right name. Uh, Matt, thank you so much for your podcast name. Very, very fitting. I just had a
1: thought, Sammy. Yeah. Can we make Peter Rutler the Remainer? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> or Peter the Persister. <laughs> okay. Very good. Very good,
0: Rutsler the Remainer has slight Brexit connotations to it. I mean, <laughs> I guess, but
1: it works. It does. It survives. It's just about. Uh,
0: I think we can work. I think we can get better. But I think as a workshopping front, it's a good start. Good per- start.
1: Persevering Peter. <laughs> persevering Pete. Yeah, persevering Pete might be the one. That might oh, be the, that might be the tricky one. Right, let's hope, let's hope we can let's hope we can improve on these suggestions. Yeah,
0: I think we can, but it's a good start, Jack. Uh, Have a great weekend. Fingers crossed we can all but secure the title against Bournemouth on Saturday. And we'll be back on Sunday reviewing everything that happens at the Vitality. But until then, you wait. You wait.